0: Welcome to Radically Transparent, the number one podcast for the modern-day marketer, presented by Octopost, the only social media and employee advocacy solution architected for B2B. Each episode shines a light on the inner workings of B2B leadership, including what keeps successful CEOs, CMOs, and VPs up at night professionally. The conversations are real, raw, and authentic, all while revealing the unfiltered, not so known truths of today's most interesting marketers. Introducing your host, Jennifer Gutman.
1: Hello, world. My next guest is a passionate leader with nearly a decade of experience across successful startups and established companies, building creative strategies for customer experience and experiential marketing within entertainment. Now, in the words of my next guest, marketing isn't only a great content, It should craft and cultivate the story of your brand, bringing you closer to the customer by humanizing the brand, humanizing the industry, humanizing people behind the brand. Please join me in welcoming Matt Belserich, marketing leader at Debbie and one of Forbes 30 Under 30 to the show. Matt, are you ready to get radically transparent with me?
0: Yes, I am. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Absolutely. And and we're we're excited to have you and and also to learn a bit about Debbie. It's a very fascinating uh, tool. But before we do dive in, I'm just interested, you know, 30 under 30, that's quite an accomplishment. So congratulations there. Um, No easy feat, super talented. Could you give us a brief look into your professional journey, how you found yourself on Forbes, 30 under 30, even as a marketing leader at Debbie, just give it, give it to us all.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, I'm more than happy to. So um, I was always a great fan of the creative world in general. I think um, I actually started off my career as an actor in TV house when I was a kid back in Poland, uh, where I'm from. Um, I truly loved the experience and it made me want to be a part of other creative journeys um and you know like for some it may seem like two different totally different worlds entertainment then fintech business space but it's actually not that different when you think about it a bit more um so my first my first like actual professional experience comes from uh, monzo bank in uk um one of the fastest growing startups in uk at a time it's it's really solved a huge problem on the market where um, traditional banks were overcharging customers, making them incur additional fees, stopping them from from managing their budgets well, becoming like financially literate um, individuals. That I believe a lot of us now have become with all of those apps available on the market. Uh, but in general, traditional banks were creating those barriers rather than bridges for, for for their customers. And Monzo came in. The mission was to get rid of all of those barriers. Make. Banking super easy and, and accessible for everyone. So, you know, it has to start with the customer experience, with the marketing, um, with the language that you use, um, and not only like externally, but also internally within a company. So how you communicate with it, between your colleagues. Um, so no more banking, technical jargon. We have to be simple wherever we can. That was the premise. Premise, um, Unless there is a reason not to be like simple. Mm-hmm. But my role at Monza was like obviously changing within time. Um as it happens in a startup environment usually um my, pr- my primary focus was uh, the customer operations communications and the onboarding process um It really had to be like super transparent and and we wanted to build um this team um from from the scratch and yeah, it was a super exciting time enormous growth, which obviously came with a lot of challenges for for Monzo as a company. And at this time, I was still completing my uh, degree at LSC in London and then shortly moving to do my master's in in NVUS at the University of um, Southern California in LA. And during that time, I really, really wanted to get more insights into the entertainment world. Um, So I worked at a few production companies in LA, um, including Act Free Productions, which is under Sony Pictures. Um, Actually, fun fact, it was created by a truly inspiring person, Norman Deer. Um, He's currently 99 years old, still comes to the office. He turns hundreds in July this year. Um, (laughs) So he produced produced a lot of like movie classics such as The Princess Bride, uh, but also some of the first sitcoms in the world, like The Jeffersons, The Good Times, very, very popular in the US uh, market. But at Act Free, I was primarily focused around um, digital marketing, licensing for established shows with a huge, huge number of followers around the world. Um, and this experience actually opened my eyes to a bit different area of marketing, mm-hmm. uh, which is focusing around an already existing super engaged audience. Um, they were willing to share their personal experiences, pictures, pictures, uh, to create a living experience for those shows, share share their engagement stories, weddings, where they actually incorporated parts of the movies into those like personal events, which is crazy. But fun engagement space, I think in general, it's a super interesting area of focus, totally different from traditional like brand marketing that we experience on a daily basis. Um, so instead of focusing on products and how to make it compelling, you actually identify like those biggest fans um, and try to create sub-products based on their expectations. So some some people may probably call it the bottom-up marketing strategy, but I also kind of like argue with that. I think it requires just a different approach in in general to the way you design and determine like um, the KPIs within a team, like the the content that you create and deliver. It's just so much different. Very, very interesting space uh, to work in. But uh, yeah, just moving forward, I've also had a great experience with Finch. Finch is a fintech app uh, which um, supercharges your existing account for a credit card um, and it gives you cash back and auto-invest your rewards into a personalized portfolio. Uh, great product overall. Um, it's just about to hit the market, I think. Uh, we've created a truly personalized experience for users that for which uh, I received an award from Zendesk followed by the speaking opportunity at Can Lion last year, which is my great personal achievement. I always wanted to be a part of this event. Uh, but I think the highlight was of, of that presentation overall was, uh, as you said before, humanized brands. That's what I... I keep telling everyone uh when we think about personalization and um the 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 empathy the connection that go with it, um, I feel like they're more critical now than they were ever before, you know like with with all what we experienced during covid um, it, it really matters it really moves that needle um and to achieve hyper personalization and and all the advantages it brings to the table, I think the c x teams marketing teams. They have to like really shift their focus and be more um, goal oriented, right? So that that's the goal. Personalization is the goal, and that's where we're heading. Um, and you know, like with with like uh, the only certainty being a change, and the only speed now being like go faster. <laughs> companies that you know stand still, they 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 will be just left behind, right? Uh, so so they need to they need to move forward. And uh, yeah, just just moving back to my experience um, now at Debbie, um, the first very first rewards platform that um, incentivizes the debt paying off your debt. Uh, really great team. Um, our CEO Frida uh, comes from Goldman Sachs. She was building Marcus Card there, um, and she brings a very interesting story herself. So she, she grew up in a single parent immigrant, non college educated family that had no access to to, to financial education. Uh, struggled with that Um, as an adult. She actually uh, fell into the debt trap and racked up, I think, $15,000 in debt and credit card debt by the age of 21. So she wanted to find a solution for it, right? Um, And the debt freedom industry overall today is um, often focused around like, you know, quick relief, debt payment, automation, fast cash that you can get within a minute. Um, None of these, however, like um, teach borrowers Um, better habits, right? So that kind of like leads to this yo-yo that um, similar to what you can experience through weight loss diet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people say, so you're going to repay your debt and then you're going to get back into this debt very quickly. Um, So that freedom is often considered like a long journey that cannot be solved within a week or, or even months. So we um, Debbie decided to take more baby steps approach uh, with uh, fewer bumps along the way. So what Noon did for weight loss, Debbie plans to achieve for that. Um, and yeah, I'm leading customer marketing at Debbie now, managing the strategy, branding, social media channels, PR outreach, graphics. I love design. Uh, we've built a wait list of over 15,000 people right now, uh, which is a great achievement for us uh, with a lot of those coming organically, which is always great to see.
1: That's fantastic. And, you know, I'm just, I'm th- I was doing a ton of research on Debbie before having you on the show. And I think the value that you bring to your customers and even the approach and the mindset, and we're going to get into it later on in the show, right? Yeah. Let's just take a moment, right? Let's get radically transparent right now. There are a ton of fintech apps out there helping to pay off debt, right? And And as you said, right, in 2022, there's a ton of apps, as you just shared, that, right, whether it's wellness and focusing on, as you said, weight loss, there's not a lot out there that are focused on like the post paying off debt or how to stay out of debt. And it's such, and even in the United States, you know, to get radically transparent, I graduated, you know, I'll date myself, but I graduated back in 2008, and I certainly had, you know, a lot of student loans to pay off that took quite some time. And when I was reading through what Debbie, does. I wish there was a Debbie back then that would have been able to help me prioritize and take those baby steps because right if you're seeing that end debt number, it can be a big number and very intimidating. So Debbie's approach is pretty awesome. um I was wondering, can you break down perhaps how you are mixing behavioral psychology concepts together with your personalization?
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, as you said, like student loan is one thing, definitely like personal loans, um, credit card balances, I think saw their largest increase in 22 years. Right. So it's, uh, it's an insane, like consumption driven economy that's growing, but like a lot of people still have the, those very poor financial habits. They don't know how to get out of this debt. Um, and uh, you know, like it's it's very hard for them to find the, the right solution. And I'm uh, I'm sure you're aware even of um something called buy now, pay later, which is like literally yeah. exploding in recent months in the US. And some people say, Oh, it's not a loan. Well, it is a loan, uh, not significantly different from traditional personal loans, right? Um, so, so they've created like all of those companies, credit card companies, buy now pay later's, whatever else. Um, they've created a culture that often promotes um, sort of like a poor spending decisions, right? So they can achieve more profit <clears throat> and do not really care about the um, the customer that they have. Um, so we really wanted to find the solution to that problem. As I said, like normally cash advances, debt auto pay apps, maybe debt consolidation. Um, they had a lot of like long-term negative impacts on people rather than um, targeting those like underlying behaviors that lead to um, helping people get out of this debt. But ultimately, this is a very difficult problem to solve because it requires efforts on the part of the user as well. So no technology can get you out of that, right? Can Technology can only get you part of the way uh, but it doesn't solve this, this human problem that we have, and that's what Debbie kind of like aims to bring to the table. Understanding how to like start behavioral change is one of the toughest things to do because it requires effort on the user's part, as I said, and then building the solution. But what we did, we brought a financial therapist on board, um, Erica. She's really, really helpful when it comes to understanding what people are going through and how how to trigger the change. Um, and even though like we're very early stage right now with only a few hundred users on board, we already know that a lot of those people who are on the app, they already had a very high intent or motivation. So they want to change or are already in the early stage stages of change. Um, so within the app itself, um, you'll find um, personalized debt payoff plans, streaks uh, for completing your goals but also something that we call quick wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are educational modules built around your spending patterns that payoff journey. Uh, one of my favorite ones is called Free Whys. So the idea is basically to ask yourself three times why, to actually understand the root cause of the issue or, or the reason behind it. So um, let's say um, you want to understand why you want to get out of that. The first answer will usually be, oh, I just want to be debt free but why I want to be debt-free. And that reason may be saving for a new house. And again, why I want to save for a new house so that my ch- children ha- can have, let's say, a comfortable life in the future. So in that case, you actually want to succeed as a parent rather than be debt-free, if that makes sense. Uh, and that will... That will gonna. Like, <laughs> yeah, so that's what we want to kind of like try to make people understand. So it's not only about paying off your debt. It's something like there's an underlying issue uh, that will make your life better if you do repay your debt, um, which is super interesting. And yeah, that, you know, very complex problem solving It not just about getting the numbers, interests, uh, rates right, but also dealing with those emotions, motivations of spending behavior. Um, and we really understood that um, this like human-centric approach was necessary. So we decided to explore like the personas that Debbie could most effectively target in, in, in the early days of the app um, and what kind of like life changes the, those people are going through? Are they recent college grads, as you said before? Maybe they're young moms. Maybe uh, maybe they're uh, preparing for a wedding. Um, so we kind kind of came out with different messaging directly related to their specific feelings, uh, motivations, and with within those quick wins. And that was actually the starting point. So within the app, we started collecting like more and more data with time. Um to see some general patterns, spending habits. Uh we are we also introduced something called transaction tinder recently. So you can kind of like swipe right and left on the <laughs> transactions that you feel happy about and those I love that you feel that. unhappy about. <laughs> <laughs> Uh which is kind of cool. I, I love that feature. Um and yeah, then with like all of that data that we get, uh we consolidated with the financial therapist, built more quick ones, quick one modules to trigger like those positive changes. Uh we engage in a lot of um uh, a lot in our growing Facebook community that we have uh, where people actually ask for advice, suggestions, they share their personal stories, the what, what was the starting debt, what was the current what's the current debt. Uh, it's super interesting to see. But yeah, I think like customer centricity is something that like actually helps to move that needle and 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 creates that unique um feeling within the app. Customer relationships should be like you know formed using hyper personalized features generally speaking. So like all of those like data related elements, they they create that experience. But overall, it should come from people from the community that we have, not from technology that we use.
1: I love that. And and I just, what the debbie team is doing i think to really personalize i mean right to, to hyper personalize to go into these personas and go deeper right than right why are they using the app right to use those 3y's even back on your technology but to really go so deep to give your customers such a personalized experience i think it's key and i think what what you and team debbie are doing is really taking the business to experience or b2e if you will to a whole new level in the fintech space and I know we caught off, lo- we caught up, you know, offline. And you had coined a campaign that really caught my attention. Um, you called it "Become Our Friend" campaign, um, and and you were, you know, talking to me about how, in a traditionally non-friend-ish persona type industry, right? You're building this "Become Our Friend" campaign. My question to you, Matt, is why did you create it? Um, and then I know you mentioned to me an interesting approach you took to your T's and C's, which I love to open up because I've never heard this before. And your approach made me actually want to add it into the octopus T's and C's because it made me really want to be your friend.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, so basically, if you think about personalization, it's so hard sometimes to think about it and how you can scale it. Because like you can create like those little experiences, but they may not be scalable, right? So if you want to actually succeed in creating these at scale, um, obviously you must first succeed in creating those for a small group of customers to understand what actually brings value both to you and the customer, w- w- what's worth the time. And then you must engage with clients with the right content, the right moment, the right space. Uh, that can be TNCs, for example, the starting point. But personalization generally is a like super broad topic. For some uh, people that I talk to, like they consider a chatbot or like a mobile experience. Uh, a personalization feature. For me, not necessarily. For others, it's going to be a targeted email with a customer's name on the top, right? For someone else, Thank it's going first to be... a name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey Matt. It's <laughs> so nice to <laughs> talk to you. Yes. Um, yes. For someone else, it's going to be, you know, like a specific, I don't know, product recommendation, um, machine learning system, AI, whatever it might be. But I think eventually it comes down to a question like what the user wants from us. What What kind of language they expect us to talk, uh, to communicate with them. And I honestly, um, doubt there's like a single answer for that, but we're trying like, uh, to think about those concepts. I actually started thinking about, uh, them while at Finch, uh, I think for, for a long time, I was just, I wanted to introduce something that creates this wow moment from the beginning, something that, um, establishes the bond between us as a brand and the end user. So in today's world, you know, like where we often have no actual interaction with the user for those apps. We only, we only like kind of see the name and, and the date of birth, whatever it might be. Um, it might seem very hard to introduce a human element, which seems real, doesn't come across as fake or forced. Yeah. I hate, I actually hate customer support, like customer conversations uh, sometimes with companies when they're like forcing this like, um, how are you feeling today? I'm I'm, I'm, I'm great. Like uh, it's, It seems like super big to me at times. Uh, so Finch, instead of doing that, we introduced um, a hyper-personalization campaign that involves the whole customer journey. So not only like customer support, but from the beginning, you're being introduced to your own Finch buddy who's there to support you. He also mails you a handwritten thank you card, uh, which is followed by a personal video from the founder who addresses you by name once we- deposit? So the idea was basically to show face behind the brand. No matter how big or small the team is, I think you have to be like radically transparent with your users, with, with, with startups even more. Show them that you're building a product and do not pretend like you're a huge corporation with thousands of people. Uh, you need to take advantage of the stage you're in, right? And what you can achieve with very little effort sometimes. So we'll think about the scalability element um, later on. But when it comes to DNCs, um, I think uh, you know, like I generally love emo- <laughs> I genuinely love emojis and everyone who knows me will definitely know all that. Um messages, you know, are sometimes bland. Like they have no feelings. How are you gonna judge like if someone genuinely tells you, oh, it was good? Like the I, I send like let's say some design and they're just like I mean they're gonna say, Oh, look, it looks good. I don't I don't know if that's genuine or if that's um you know, kind of like fake or dumb thing to express how we feel and emojis are a part of it, right? Uh, when it comes to TNCs, when you, which you've mentioned, emojis were in, indeed a part of TNCs at Monzo in the UK. Uh, so in, in the beginning, the idea was to make it super simple, easy to read, easy to digest rather than presenting a hundred page long document, font size eight that no one will ever read. Uh, (laughs) But emojis made it feel like more and more accessible, right? Easier to understand, easier to break down. Um, In the U.S., however, um, with all of the legal processes, it's a bit harder to introduce something like this. Um at Finch I created like, like a summary of TNCs, but then again it needed to be approved by a legal team, a legal team, et cetera, et cetera. I'll um I'll definitely get there at, at some point, just just need more time. But in the US it's definitely way more difficult to achieve comparing to 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 Europe or or the UK, just because of the lengthy um documents that they usually present to us uh when it comes to TNCs, unfortunately.
1: Makes sense. Makes sense. Listen, I love the risk, I love the creativity and I You know, I never thought to even put emojis and T's and C's because culturally, right? It's like, is that, does that speak to the right crowd? But at the end of the day, going back to your point, right? At the end of the day, it's human to human. So it's something to consider. Now, listen, you spoke us through Debbie and there's, I mean, I could listen to you speak literally all day. You bring so much interesting insight to the table. I'm so curious you're under 30, you're leading and transforming the way we look at debt, the way we think about humanization. What on earth is keeping you up at night these days professionally?
0: Uh, That's a very good question. Um, So I think marketing is, um, you know, like a really fun space to work with because oftentimes you have no idea what to expect the next day uh you may have a general assumption of what to what the impact might be of, of your campaign but it can always go both ways like it might be taken as in politically incorrect it might be taken as i don't know um not not fitting the right time um all of us want to create like those viral experiences these days right we all want to be on the cover of magazines, number one in Google search, have millions of followers across Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is. Uh, we follow trends on TikTok to make sure we're on top of what others are talking about. But I think um, it's actually important for some groups to be more unique to, to for for them to like experiment with with new forms, which is also great. We need them for marketing to thrive and become better, better with uh, with time. And for me, I think it's just the excitement that comes with new technologies, new, new social media channels, new forms of expressions that there are, communication that we can utilize um, to tell our story, um, and we can keep asking ourselves what's what's gonna move the needle this time. But well, that's a very good question. I do not really know the answer to, <laughs> but uh, once if doubt, I'll let you know. Uh, we all have to keep trying and be, be, be excited about what we do. So sometimes, um, actually fun facts. Sometimes I have those dreams of like, um, something that can go viral, like those like campaigns, that, like, not not really like directly, but then I wake up in the middle of the night and I need to note it down. Uh, like I need to write it down because I'm going to forget by the time I wake up like the next day. Um, and then I kind of like create something on top of that. That's actually how the personalization campaign came about. Look at um, that. <laughs> last year. I had like this like random idea um, that came out of some dream.
1: <laughs> I love <laughs> that. I think, yeah. so I think Matt, what you're encouraging all of us to do is keep a notebook by our bedside table for when we wake up yeah, in the yeah. middle of the night with these work dreams, these marketing dreams, and we just need to write things down. and they usually say, as marketers, right? You, great ideas don't usually come when you're sitting at your desk. They usually come when like you're out about out and about. but for you, they seem to come in your sleep. So that's fantastic, right? Because it means you need to sleep in yeah. order to get these ideas. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic.
0: I mean, you know, like generally speaking, like marketing, um, well, as you said, like it's not um, something that you can create at your desk. It's not a one person task. It's all about like brainstorming, thinking outside the box, like looking for some inspirations on the street while we're walking, where you're working out, maybe trying out new platforms, softwares that promise some some change. Maybe they will, maybe they will not. Um, It's all about like keeping, keep trying uh, with something new.
1: I love that. Now, listen, I want to take it back a step. Um, we're nearing the end of the episode and I have two more questions left for you. And something I'm really interested in, in asking you uh, is I know, because I know you mentioned prior to the B2B space, you were over at Sony. Uh, you were doing more kind of B2C storytelling, if you will, which, you know, ask me now, I think B2B is kind of morphing and learning from our B2C counterparts on how to tell stories effectively, yeah. emotion quickly. Um, if you could look back on your career as B2C marketer, if you will, or more creative kind of that, that I wouldn't say more creative. I would say the um, there's a stereotype, right? That B2C is more creative. I think B2B is just as creative, if not more. Um, However, if you could give one piece of advice or share one thing that you've learned with your time at Sony that you think if you would have carried with you over into the fintech space um, or one thing you would have known before heading into B2B, what would that be? Does that question make sense? I kind of mutated and mutilated that a bit. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Um, yeah, it's a good question. So basically at Sony, um, we're actually doing both B2C and B2B. So B2C was focused around fans, um, as I've mentioned before, the fan engagement area and space. B two B was focused on potential licensees who would use our shows to create merged products. Right, so we were doing like both at the same time, kind of. Um, with actually the profit coming primarily from B two B and not B two C. So we could say we could yeah we we could probably say that we're we're more more B two B than B two C. But for B two C, we're creating only experiences like unique experiences. We already had established group of audiences community. Um, and use it to create value for our B2B campaigns uh, that we're we're doing at Sony. But I think something that's really translatable between the two is um, the community. So there's no successful product without a community of supporters. And even at Monzo, the community was helping determine the product roadmap. um, They helped make the decisions when it comes to design, help us rethink... Um, the elements of the app the, they they actually created Monzo and debbie were trying to follow a similar path. We want our community to have a feeling of shared responsibility um so that they' create they're, cre- they're co creating the product with us, and this product is for them ultimately right it 's not for us it's it 's for them uh so so we want like as much feedback as possible and I think um at Sony it was similar, so we were trying to understand what kind of products our our fans were um expecting from us to get. And then we're like trying to market it to the right licensees, those who can deliver those products to to those people, uh, which was very um, interesting at the time. But yeah, I think generally speaking, a community um, is something that needs to be a part of the fintech more. um, And a lot of people underestimate the value of that.
1: I would have to agree with you on that. Uh, And and community is a powerful thing, certainly a topic for another show. So I'm going to close out with my favorite question um, because when I looked you up, I have to say I learned quite a lot about you. And then in these last 30 minutes, I've just, you know, everything you've shared with us, super interesting, really intricate details on how you're going about humanizing and, and building these different campaigns. Could you share with us one thing about yourself? We know that you're from Poland. You shared that in the beginning. We know you're Forbes under Forbes uh, thirty under thirty. We we saw that on LinkedIn. And here, what is one thing about yourself that we can't learn from LinkedIn that you can share with us today?
0: Um, I think that would have to be well. I love filmmaking. I try to devote at least some time each year to creating short stories. Um, A few years ago, actually, I did have a chance to produce and direct the documentary called Cerro Gordo. It tells the story of a guy who lived um, on his own in a distant mining town in Sierra Nevada. Uh, So he devoted his life to maintaining the historical value, the peacefulness of that remote town. That actually once helped build Los Angeles from all of the trade that it did, um, I think in 1920s, if I remember. But the documentary was distributed through Spectrum TV and it was part of, I think, um, eight film festivals in eight countries, which was super fun.
1: Wow. So if we wanted, can you say that film name again, if we want to catch it or check it out? Is there YouTube or...
0: Sarah Gordo. I think uh, part of it might be. It was then distributed by Spectrum TV. So they acquired the rights.
1: Got it. So we'll all have to take a look. And for anyone listening in who wants to learn more about Debbie and how to be uh, debt-free, uh, wants to to learn more about you, Matt, or perhaps connect on idea sharing, brainstorming, customer experience, where's the best place to connect with you?
0: Yeah, if you want to join Debbie, feel free to join our weblist, joindebbie.com. That's the the best place. And if you want to reach out, feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. I'm always here to help.
1: Fantastic, Matt. Thank you so much for getting Radically Transparent today. Had a blast. And I hope you'll be back for session two when we talk about community. Thanks for tuning in to the Radically Transparent podcast brought to you by Octopost, the only social media management and employee advocacy platform architected for B2B. I'm Jennifer Gutman, your host and director of social strategy here at Octopost. And if you love today's show, we'd love if you subscribe, rate, and give a raving review wherever you get your podcasts. For more discussion on B2B social media marketing, be sure to follow Octopost on LinkedIn. And of course, to gain access to all our free social media marketing and employee advocacy resources, head on over to our website, www.octopost.com. Until next time...